Hey, before we start on this episode, I want to invite you to join me for my brand new healing intensive program. It's called No Talks, the Toxic Relationship Healing Intensive. If you have been trying to heal from a toxic or abusive relationship and just feel like you're hitting a wall, this program is for you. No Talks is a six-week intensive that I'm actually going to be hosting with you live, and I'm going to help you heal from what's holding you back so that you can step into the future God has for you. The intensive starts March 5th, and if you register early, I'm actually going to give you free access to a bonus masterclass, Don't Get Fooled Again, Decoding the Red Flags and Mixed Messages of Toxic People. I would absolutely love to have you join me. Registration is now open and you can do that through the link in the show notes or at uncommonvalor.co. Is it toxic or is it abusive? That's a question often we try to ask ourselves when we're healing from harm and the answers are not always so straightforward. I'm answering this listener question today on the truth and our trauma. Ever sit down to pray and end up thinking about what you need to buy at the store instead? No judgment. I've totally been there. And that's why I decided to create the Ignite Strategic Prayer Planner and Journal. Know what to pray, track your impact, and learn to hear God's voice for yourself. Ignite is more than just a journal. It's a journey. And it's available now on Amazon and at the link in the show notes. Is it toxic or is it abusive? This is a question that was sent in by a listener, and I actually see it pretty regularly, so I wanted to address it here on the show today. This listener writes, I'm getting out of a relationship that I have been in for the last eight years. It was very unhealthy, and my therapist has helped me to understand that what I was dealing with was abuse. I realize I've actually had this pattern of relationships in my life for a really long time, and I'm scared of getting into it again. Now, anytime I meet someone new, the first thing that I try to do is figure out if they're an abuser. If they do anything that makes me suspicious, immediately I start to wonder, is there a way to know? And is there a difference between being toxic and being abusive? To this listener, first, I want to say thank you for this question. It is courageous to ask a question like this, and it's going to help a lot of people because you're not the only one who's asking this question. And the reason why this listener is not the only one asking this question is because this is a natural part of the healing process. It is natural for us to look at a situation that we've been in, try to figure out the pieces, figure out how we got there so that we don't repeat it again. And that's especially true in this case, for example, where the listener is recognizing that this is something that has had different shapes and forms throughout their life. And so it's a little, it's, it's a lot unnerving actually to recognize that that's the case and feel that there is this sense that you have been sort of preyed upon for much of your life. When you've got a handful of these situations, it's easier off the bat to notice the similarities, to notice the things that were in common with these behaviors. But naturally, there are also going to be differences that kind of throw off your assumptions. And that's especially true if this happened in a variety of types of relationships. So for example, if you're comparing romantic relationships with friendships, with even parental relationships, there are going to be some things that don't line up that are not the same. And then that's also true if you're looking at the personalities of these people, that the way that one person behaves in a toxic way is not going to be the same as another person. 
And inevitably, when you've got these different variables, that's going to lead you into a state of confusion because there just comes a point where you can't really totally make sense of everything that happened. And so you're looking at these pieces and you're going, okay, well, what part was maybe just different about this person versus what was actually dysfunctional? Or what part was them and what part was me? And because then some of these questions seem to be unanswerable at that point, it leaves you feeling really disoriented. It can leave you feeling really scared. And so in that case, hypervigilance is what's going to result. That suspicion that other people have poor motives and that you're trying to figure out from the get-go what is wrong with them so that you can protect yourself and not get too close. And that's not all bad, actually. Certainly, we don't want to be revved up and hypervigilant constantly, but we do want to use wisdom and exercise caution in meeting new people. And if you haven't had strong boundaries in the past, this is actually one of the ways that it kind of gets started. Often it goes a little bit off the rails and then you have the ability to kind of pull it back. But we don't want to be in a situation, for example, though, where you're meeting new healthy people and because of the fear, it's keeping you from moving forward into better relationships. Other times, though, when we're asking this question, it's because actually we don't have great boundaries yet. So what we're trying to do is diagnose this person and diagnose the circumstance because we're letting that be the determiner for us as to whether or not we think anything needs to be done. And this is especially true in a case where maybe you really, really, really don't want a confrontation. You don't want things to change. It seems if you can make sense of this, if you can sort of diagnose it, then you know how you can troubleshoot it. So for example, if you could say whether or not this was toxic or abusive, then you could encourage that person to get the right kind of help or that you could decide, well, actually, it's good for me to stay in this situation because they need they need me. They need me to support them. And if this is the kind of scenario that you find yourself in, the fact is you're asking the question because you already know something is off. You already know something is wrong. You're already seeing the red flags. You already know that what's in front of you is deal breaker behavior. You already know this. And yet the confusion comes from not necessarily wanting to believe it with believing that maybe there's a reasonable explanation for it. And if there's a reasonable explanation, then maybe there can be a reasonable solution. So we already know then something is off. We just want to know how off so we can figure out how to deal with it. And in either of these scenarios, whether or not you're trying to analyze the patterns from the past or whether you're trying to determine what's going on with the people in front of you, in both of these cases, this sort of question is a search for safety and certainty. And that's normal. When you've been hurt and when you've been harmed, you're looking for safety and certainty because you've been dealing with situations that are unsafe and that are uncertain. It seems like if we can just differentiate one from the other, then we can figure out how we can stay safe and maybe even still stay safe in the context of keeping some of these relationships. But the question I want to pose to you as I answer this is, what if they're really actually not all that different? What if we looked at this not as two different things, but the same thing on a different scale? Because it's not really that they're all super different. They do have some differences, but they're not as different as they are alike. And that means it's sort of like trying to figure out, like, which is the rottenest egg, like they're both rotten, which is the rottenest egg. What we're dealing with is a spectrum of unhealth. 
And yes, sometimes in that spectrum, for example, we can learn how to set boundaries with an unhealthy family member that we wouldn't necessarily need to completely remove ourselves from that person. That's true. But in either case, even if it's someone who's way further down the track, with both of these situations, you cannot get super close to this person. They would not be within your inner circle of confidants, for example, because they've already demonstrated a lack of unhealth. And what that unhealth is pointing out to us is that this person is emotionally unsafe for us, that this is not a person that you're going to be emotionally vulnerable with because they don't have the maturity and the capacity to be in a reciprocal relationship with you. And that's even just on the emotional safety side, but there's also physical safety, obviously, to consider as well. This is why Proverbs 13.20 says a companion of fools suffers harm, that no matter where they are on this spectrum, for example, that you are going to find yourself suffering harm at the hands of someone who is not an emotionally safe person for you to be with. Now, all that being said, when it comes to this question, though, of is it toxic? Is it abusive? There are some distinctions that can actually be really helpful to dig into to make sense of, as I said, those variety of differences that you might have encountered in these different situations, that whether you were dealing with a parent or a romantic relationship or a friend or a coworker or a boss or a pastor or whoever it was, that you can start to see what actually are some patterns even within those differences so that you have an understanding of what this spectrum of unhealth can look like and then what the differences are when we look towards healthy relationships. Because at the end of the day, what we really actually want to compare is not the difference between toxic and abusive. What we want to compare is the difference between healthy and unhealthy. Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. It's called Overthinking. Get out of your head and on with your life. And you can download it for free right now at UncommonValor.co. So when it comes to this unhealth, there are some differences, as I mentioned. And one of the first ones is the who. Who is engaging in this behavior? Now, in a toxic relationship, one or both people might be engaging in reactive behaviors. This typically means that they are not premeditated attacks and assaults, that these are reactions that are coming from unhealthy patterns of dealing with emotions and problems, that rather than learning how to respond appropriately, that the emotions are exploding and coming out or they're coming out sideways. When I say coming out sideways, it can be actually something else. It doesn't always look explosive. It can be that it's actually the silent treatment. It can be that it is escaping behavior. But what's important to note here is you can have one person who is doing those things, or you can have both people who are doing those things. What is different in an abusive relationship is that one person is responsible for perpetrating against the other It is one person, even though it doesn't look like it always, but it's one person using intentional premeditated means to get power from the other person and to keep it. 
They actually know what they're doing and they use all sorts of different methods to manipulate and control the other person and to control the narrative so that the other person is constantly off balance. So the perpetrator is the person who is perpetrating abuse on a victim. Now, in this case, the victim may actually also be behaving reactively. Very common for the victim then in this case to actually start exhibiting toxic behavior. And often then the abuser is actually using this to their benefit because what they will say to the victim is that actually the victim is the abusive one. So, for example, in a case where a perpetrator perpetrates against a victim, causes harm, and the victim fights back, that victim is not abusive. They're not misusing or trying to control the power dynamic in the relationship like the abuser is. They are emotionally reacting to what they are experiencing. And so this is where victim shaming gets put in the mix, where a lot of people who are not aware of the way that an abusive relationship works will blame the victim for having some part in the dynamic. But the fact is, it is an abuser who is perpetrating against a victim and then is using that victim's reactions, which are unhealthy, but using those reactions against them to actually keep the cycle going, to keep the control in their favor. So again, toxic relationship, one or two people who are reacting, and then abusive relationship, you have one who is perpetrating against the other. So in analyzing the way that these two types of relationship dynamics actually are functioning, we can see that one of the clearest differences actually is motive. We can see that one is unintentional and one is intentional. One is predatory and the other is reactionary. The issue with motive, though, is it's not always clear. You can't always tell. Someone who's been in a relationship for years or decades may have no idea as to whether or not this person is reacting or abusing them. The victim may believe that that other person is reacting. They may believe that they've always had a pattern of emotional volatility, that they've had trouble with their anger, or that they've had emotional trauma from their childhood, and so that this is a reaction that's coming out of all of those things. And one of the reasons that makes motive in this case so hard to understand is that abusers are very, very, very good at hiding what they're doing. They are intentionally masking and manipulating information so that it can't be figured out. With this kind of deception, the victim doesn't have all the pieces. So it's very extremely difficult to know and figure out exactly what's even going on. Another reason that motive can be so difficult to discern, especially when it comes to people who are on the outside of the relationship, is that a lot of times the truth gets covered up. Whether this is a toxic person, whether this is an abusive person, maybe you have even been in this situation yourself, you want to often put the best face forward so that other people will not get involved, that other people won't start asking questions, they won't start digging around. And when it comes to an abuser, this is especially true because they're going to intentionally craft a persona to the outside world that is completely opposite to the one that they are projecting in their interior life, in their interior relationships, so that the victims are never believed. Motive aside, when it comes to being in a situation with someone who is harming you with their choices, again, whether intentional or unintentional, the important thing is not to minimize or excuse their behavior because of past wounds, because all of it is unhealthy. 
regardless of who is doing it or why they're doing it. And when it comes to whether or not then change is possible, they need to meet two conditions. The first one is they have to have self-awareness. They have to know what they're doing. They have to recognize it and recognize that it's a problem. And the second thing then is they have to have the internal motivation to change. They have to, on their own, have the desire to make it different and to be willing to do the work to make it happen. And if they don't have both of those conditions, then they're not a person that can be yet in a reciprocal relationship with you. So that touches on the who. Now I want to talk about the what. I want to talk about the methods. And the issue with these is actually that they're really similar. In either case, whether it's toxic or abusive, you can have explosivity. You can have lying. You can have someone who is playing the victim. You can have someone who is needing attention. With either of these, you could see things like addiction. You could see escapism. You could see overspending. You could see cheating and betrayal and jealousy. There's actually so much that's in common. But while the methods might be similar, the means, the reasons why they are doing these things and what they're trying to achieve is different. In a situation that we would think of as more on the toxic side, what this person is doing is they're using inappropriate and immature means to try to express their feelings. So as I said before, you could see explosivity with this where a person is irritated and they're angry and they explode because they don't know how to deal with their feelings. They don't know how to regulate and say, you know what, I need to take a pause and I'm going to come back. They don't have that skill set. And a lot of us, we got to be honest, in this situation, sometimes we're doing the same thing. Sometimes we're so triggered and we haven't yet developed our emotional coping skills. And so we're doing some of the same stuff too. And certainly abusers can do this, but one of the primary reasons that abusers are going to use anger and explosivity is to try to intimidate and frighten the other person. So for example, let's say that you found out that they went one place and they told you they were going to be somewhere else. So when you're concerned and you bring it up and say, well, how come you just didn't tell me the truth? They explode they may call into question, well, how about that time that you didn't tell me where you were? And they sort of flip things around. And this is all in an attempt actually to take the attention off of what they did and try to turn it back to you or to try to terrify you so that you would not ask a question like that again. They're using the yelling in that case as a diversion, as something to refocus the attention where they want it onto you and off of them. But that means then they're using it to control your attention and to control the narrative. This is why it feels like abusive conversations never go anywhere. It feels like nothing ever gets resolved, like things just go around and around and around. And it's because they're using these types of tactics. It sounds like they're trying to have a conversation with you, but they're not. They're actually just trying to throw you off their track. So we can see that in either case, the what is the same? The behaviors are the same. There is explosivity that's happening there. But... The what is trying to be gained from it, the means behind it, the reasoning behind it is completely different. And that being said, though they are different, they're both unhealthy, right? They're both not okay. They're not safe. But the reason I think this distinction is important to know about is because of the way that it impacts you. Because if you have been in a relationship with a person who is using toxic means of relating, toxic behaviors... There's a great chance that you felt angry, that you felt irritated, that you felt drained. 
But if you've been in an abusive situation, you felt all those things and you probably felt crazy. And that's because you can see the difference here. The person who is engaging in toxic means might actually be trying to communicate, but they're doing it ineffectively versus a person who is abusive. They're not actually trying to communicate or solve a problem. They're just trying to circle this chaos around you so that you give up. And I know as we're talking about the differences here and as you're listening, you might be feeling like, okay, well, this seems like maybe this is toxicity, you know, and, and that seems like the lesser it seems like, well, that maybe that's something I could deal with. But the issue is that while the toxic side of this might be the lesser, it's still called toxic for a reason. And the thing that we can recognize about this scale is that not all toxic situations are abusive, but all abusive situations are toxic. So being that that's the case, what can we do? What do we do if we're able to somewhat determine whether or not the situation is toxic or abusive? Remember back at the beginning, I said this isn't as much about comparing toxicity to abuse as it is about comparing unhealth to health. And I know the process of entering into that is really frightening, especially when I've just unpacked all these things and I've mentioned that you can't always tell from the surface. You can't always tell what somebody's motives are. You can't even always tell if their behaviors are unhealthy. It's not until you've walked with people for a little bit of time that you can determine some of those things. You have to have time with this person to understand what their patterns are like. There are three parts of this that I find really helpful. And the first one is getting away from toxic relationships as much as is possible. When we do that, it, it gives us the ability to sort of clear the slate. Proverbs 22.10 says, drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. So when you have removed yourself as much as possible from toxicity, however it comes, it cleanses your palate, so to speak, so that when it comes up again, you notice it. You notice it right away. You notice those off comments. You notice the things that you ordinarily might even have bypassed before. And this is building an atmosphere of peace around yourself because then when something threatening to that peace comes in, you know, when you have cleared the air and something toxic enters it, you're very aware. The second one is learning how to look for the exact opposite of what we've been talking about. And this is someone that the book of Proverbs would refer to as the wise or a wise person. And the book of Proverbs actually gives us some insight into this. For example, in Proverbs 17, 27, it says, A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Now, uses few words doesn't mean that they're not also fun and talkative and all those sorts of things. It means they understand the value of their words. It means they're not going to just use words in order to be impressive. It means that they're going to know when it is wise to speak and when it is wise to listen, and that they're going to have the ability to recognize when they can say something that's helpful and when they just need to be quiet and compassionate. So you're looking for a person who can demonstrate wisdom in their words, but then it's also a person in this verse says is even tempered. They're not easily angered. They don't get rattled. They're not explosive. They're not trying to win people over and be the center of attention. Again, it doesn't mean they don't have a fun personality, but a wise person knows the value of peace themselves. And so they're going to be seeking it and they're going to be cultivating it also. And then the third one is doing your own work. You know, when I looked at this proverb that talks about a wise person using few words and being even-tempered, there was a time in my life that that was not always true, that I had toxic behaviors that I was exhibiting also. And so I needed 
to go work on myself. I needed to get some skills and I needed to heal in order to be healthy enough to be in a reciprocal relationship. And the fact is, the better at that that you can get, then you're not even on the same page anymore as a person who's going to use toxic or abusive means of relating. That this is not a question you even have to ask anymore because you can see it so plainly because it is not how you run your own life. You know what it looks like to do your own work. You know what it sounds like to do your own work. And you can tell a person who is not actually doing their work, even if they say that they are. And that's probably the most difficult part of all of this is trying to sort out, again, that deception. But then recognizing what genuine peace is. And that's what is the common thread through all of this is creating an environment of peace, looking for people of peace, and cultivating that peace in yourself. And when you do that, setting boundaries becomes a lot easier because when you know that peace within yourself with your relationship with the Lord and that healing, you don't want to let anybody come in and mess that up. And it becomes a lot easier to defend that peace and to make guidelines about who belongs in your space and who doesn't because you know you have something to protect. Now, if that peace, that sense of restoration is something that you are still desperate for, that maybe even you've made a little progress, but you're not as far along as you'd like to be. I want to invite you to join me for my new live healing intensive. It's called No Talks, the Toxic Relationship Healing Intensive. Now, No Talks is right for you if you are already out of an abusive or toxic relationship, that you already have some distance between you and this person, but you're still not far enough along in your healing are not as far enough as you'd like to be in order to find yourself in really good, fulfilling, healthy relationships. This is worthwhile if you have experienced toxicity and abuse in a parental relationship, in a romantic relationship, in a platonic relationship, whatever the circumstance, this program will be right for you. In No Talks, I'm going to be covering a variety of things that you probably have not covered, even if you've been in therapy. And the emphasis for this healing intensive program is the spiritual needs. They're the needs that we have spiritually when we have experienced trauma, when we have been harmed in relationships, but that we don't even know that we need to address in order to move forward. This is the lowest rate that this healing intensive will ever be offered at. So if you're even somewhat interested, I hope that you'll consider joining me and I'll put all the information for registration in the show notes. Wherever you are on this journey of healing, I just want you to know that I pray for you regularly, that my desire is that you would encounter the love of God in such a way that heals over the things that you have encountered, but that also opens doors to new things, new beautiful things that he has for you. Until next time, shalom. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at uncommonvalor.co.